0: good afternoon thanks for joining me today uh today we're going to be talking about uh defending claims against people who are not our employees uh today is april 26 2021 thanks for joining me for our new jersey workers compensation webinar so uh let's talk about what we're going to talk about today uh yeah we're going to talk about the defense of non-employment it's pretty straightforward Uh, I'm also going to do a quick case law update because there was some uh, breaking case law that came out about two weeks ago from New Jersey Supreme Court concerning the medicinal use of marijuana in New Jersey workers' cop claims. I actually got a question uh, while we were in the lobby saying, Greg, are you going to talk about that? And yeah, I am going to talk about that because that's interesting. Um, Then we're going to talk about employee status and how we defend those cases. And I'm very happy to talk about uh, any questions you have about employee status. And I've received a lot of questions over the years about Uber employees, DoorDash employees, anybody who's an employee in the gig economy and how those are treated under the workers' compensation law. Uh, and then a lot of questions about special and leased employees. So we'll talk about those. Uh, my goal here today is to answer as many questions as I can to give you as many practical takeaways and useful advice that I can please ask questions, it makes it so much more fun. So questions and answers uh, really are something I look forward to. Uh, And as we have these uh, uh, slides change, please feel free to just type in your questions as we go. So let me just jump off. Uh, Just very recently, uh, Supreme Court upheld a decision uh, in New Jersey saying that yes, medicinal marijuana uh, can be uh, used as pain management treatment in a workers' compensation case. And the issue has always been, well, who pays for it? And the carrier employer side, we've been saying, wait a second, uh, we shouldn't have to pay for this. First of all, it's violative of federal law. It gets us involved in uh, providing controlled substances to people that is start, are still under Schedule One limitations, etc. cetera. New Jersey's had this very silly hearted, uh, compassionate use of Medical Marijuana Act to the Kuma Act. Uh, that has been in place since 2015. Uh, since that time, uh, medicinal marijuana has really grown in New Jersey, and we've seen uh, all sorts of issues arise from uh, the dispensaries and how the doctors are licensed or trained to dispense it, etc. But from a workers' compensation context, uh, initially we were disputing that the carrier would be responsible uh, for paying for medicinal marijuana, simply saying it's a scheduled substance, we're paying with bank checks that are crossing state lines. You know, We've got all sorts of um, federal uh, preclusion of this issue, so we're not touching it. Um, and about two and a half years ago, a workers' compensation law judge uh, did not order the uh, uh, carrier to pay for medicinal marijuana directly, but simply to reimburse the claimant for medicinal marijuana that he had obtained uh, on his own uh, through his own uh, uh, means. And that decision has wended its way through the courts. uh, And obviously, it's been very closely watched by a number uh, of carrier and employer entities, as well as the claimant attorneys. Um, So ultimately, the courts have ruled that, yes, it's okay for the employer or carrier to reimburse for the cost directly to the claimant. Again, we're still not seeing any direction that says that we are to directly pay for it obviously uh, not touching. The New Jersey courts have no ability uh, really to uh, resolve issues involving federal law. And again, marijuana is still a Schedule I substance uh, and banned by federal law from or prohibited from use. Um, Now, uh, my understanding of this case, again, it just was decided uh, by the Supreme Court, is that the parties to that case have decided to take it up to the federal courts uh, and so they will be uh, looking for leave or filing an appeal to the federal courts shortly so that appears to be something that's going to go on so there is going to probably be a little more to this saga Uh, however we are going to see uh, more demands for reimbursement uh, for medicinal marijuana in new jersey workers compensation cases as the employer carrier i'm just going to give you two just thoughts one if you get an order stating this, you can still dispute these orders. I mean, if a claimant comes in and files a motion for med temp seeking medicinal marijuana, uh, and that's something you want to challenge, obviously, you can still defend that uh, motion or dispute that that care is necessary and palliative. The other thought I have is uh, this might actually be useful for some of those of my clients and some of yours uh, who have uh, workers' compensation cases that we're trying to resolve by way of Section 20 but we've discovered that there is a large Medicare secondary payer allocation that would need to be satisfied. So think about those old dog cases that you're trying to resolve for $150,000. Let's just throw out a random number uh, pursuant to Section 20. But then you've got a a huge set-aside allocation because the claim it's on long-term pain meds or narcotics, et cetera. Well, if you can get them onto medicinal marijuana, which is a Schedule I substance and will not be ever paid for, Uh, by Medicare under Part D, you can then exclude it from that allocation. Uh, And at that point, uh, that should help you adjust or reduce uh, that allocation. So uh, just some thoughts about how we're kind of aggressively or creatively trying to utilize this in favor of the carriers or employers, uh, looking to maybe shift some of that palliative, long-term care onto medicinal marijuana. Now, the challenge, of course, from the allocation standpoint, and I just wanted to be thoughtful about this, is that medicinal marijuana is not proven to be any cheaper uh, than uh, the sort of medical opiates uh, that we have been distributing. So you're not going to really be getting any cost savings here, but it might be a way to avoid a Medicare allocation. Uh, so it's a little bit out of the box. Thank you. Uh, if you have any questions about medical mar- marijuana or this quick update, type them in now, and I will certainly get to them when I get to questions at the end of this presentation, which again is totally live. All right. It wouldn't be a Greg Lois presentation if I didn't talk a little bit about our 2021 New Jersey Workers' Comp Handbook. If you haven't grabbed it yet, we've uh, fixed it up, we fixed the website up. You can go and download any of our handbooks. We have a handbook for New Jersey workers' compensation, for New York workers' compensation. We have a specialty handbook for construction defense and one for longshore defense. You can go to our website and download them. That's loislc.com slash publications. There was an issue, I think, with the um, downloads not actually reaching people, uh, that's been fixed. So uh, if you haven't gotten your copy yet and you want it, that's where you can go, instantly download it. Uh, Our New Jersey handbook this year, there was a lot of changes into it. Obviously, the chapter on COVID-19, again, COVID-19 is presumed compensable in New Jersey. However, you can still challenge, defend, and win on disputing uh, the causal relationship of COVID-19, and we certainly are doing that. I do talk about the October decision in which extra-jurisdictional medical provider claims were all found to be uh, had lacked jurisdiction in New Jersey. In my practice, we've seen literally hundreds of those cases getting dismissed. So if you have cross-jurisdictional medical provider claims, we're getting those things thrown out left and right. I talk a little bit about successive exposure claims. Uh, and certainly, you can guess for 2022, I'm going to be talking about medicinal marijuana. So that'll be a new thing. I can tell you that, along with my co author for the book that I write for LexisNexis, which is the New Jersey Workers' Compensation Guide, uh, that's the Matthew Bender imprint book. Uh, we are certainly revising it right now, our additions, uh, to make sure it includes uh, this latest case law on medicinal marijuana. All right, so that's what's new in Jersey. Uh, let's dive into today's topic. And again, I'm gonna just keep encouraging you guys to ask questions. Uh, we do these webinars uh, four times a month. The first Monday of the month's construction. Second Monday of the month, we only talk about risk transfer uh, in multiple jurisdictions. Third Monday, we talk about New York and we're in the fourth Monday of the month. So we're talking about New Jersey. And I could tell you that uh, as we do these presentations and you know, we're reaching hundreds of people a month, the presentations where there's questions makes uh, it such more fun, and uh, it's easy to type in a question. You can just use that little pull down if you're watching me on your phone or something. They also have a little uh, tab you can click and jump over there, and we will answer as many uh, they, they you can send. All right, all right who is an employee well it's defined in the statute section 36 of our statute contains all the definitions for the new jersey workers compensation law it's someone who provides a service for financial consideration in general they're going to have a pay stub uh hopefully they'll have a w-2 if they've worked for the employer for long enough uh but of course Uh, the workers' compensation courts have held people that are cash employees were going to be working off the books, or they were new employees, the employer didn't have a chance to report them yet uh, to payroll or maybe put them on the payroll. As long as the person believes that they're working under the direction uh, and control of the employer, as long as the employer admits it, they're going to be deemed to be our employee. I just want to remind everyone that Uh, New Jersey excludes longshoremen from the act. There is a exclusive jurisdiction there. If you have a longshore claim, you cannot bring a workers compensation claim in New Jersey. You have to bring a longshore's claim. And in my office, we defend them both ways. We see uh, claimant attorneys uh, who file the New Jersey workers comp claim don't file the longshore claim so we'll kind of look at like which, which jurisdiction would be more beneficial to us. And I also see it much more common the other way. They file a New Jersey workers' comp claim and they fail to file the long, short claim in time. And they blow the statute of limitations on that. Uh, and that has been the subject of a lot of employee, uh, sorry, uh, claimant attorney uh, malpractice over the years. So, New Jersey and uh, Longshore have exclusive jurisdictions. Either you are a Longshore or you're not, and if you're not, uh, you're entitled to workers comp in New Jersey as an employee. Uh, So, let's be thoughtful about that. All right, Uh, let's talk about Uh, What about sole proprietors? Yep, just like every other state, they can exclude themselves from their coverage. Some sole proprietors choose to be covered by their workers' compensation. I'm the owner of this business. I choose to be covered for workers' comp. Uh, Owners uh, can generally exclude themselves if they want to. Uh, That's up to the owner. Uh, What about uh, illegal employees? Uh, And really, I'm talking about pre-citizens. We're talking about our undocumented. We're talking about people with actually no employment eligibility in this country. Uh, They have been deemed to be employees uh, by uh, case law. Uh, They are treated the same, and there is no advantage to employers who are hiring pre-citizens and hoping to get out of paying uh, or being responsible for workers' compensation coverage for those employees. Sure, I'm sure you're not paying taxes on them and benefits, et cetera, so I'm sure you're still getting ahead, uh, but it's not going to work in workers' comp. Uh, minors, of course, under the age of 18 without working papers are considered a minor. They really shouldn't be uh, working unless they have the, the, the specific working papers. And they can be um, receive either double workers' compensation award or they have the right to go and file uh, a, a remedy in the civil uh, arena. So they are not bound by the exclusive bar of the Workers' Compensation Act. They can directly sue the employer if they're under the age of 18 and employed and working and injured. All right. Who isn't an employee? Well, in general, your vendors, your subcontractors, your casual employees, independent contractors are not employees. Uh, but you know, we're gonna define what all these things mean as we go through this presentation quickly, uh, just to talk about that, because that question of who's an independent contractor is a huge issue. And we know that a lot of people are classified as independent contractors, maybe for tax purposes, uh, but when it really comes down to the nitty-gritty of workers' compensation law, they're not gonna be found to be uh, uh independent contractors they're going to be found to be your employees we'll talk about the tests Uh, new jersey also recognizes dual employment and that really takes place in the context of lent employees so we have an employee leasing company or one company is lending employees to another company and we're, we're really looking at here specifically think about your peo or your staffing agency, they're going to have under that same dual employment. However, when I generally have to litigate or resolve these issues, I find that the staffing company or the company leasing or lending the employee generally has a contractual relationship with the general, uh, the, sorry, the special employer, the person that they're lending this person to. Uh, the parlance of New Jersey is that the uh, general employer is the person who's lending, the special employer is the person who is receiving what they're going to call a special employee, who's not really their employee, but is going to be doing their work on a lent or contractual basis uh, with the general employer. Uh, in general, both of them are going to be exposed for the same workers' compensation exposure. Entertainingly, though, uh, usually there's contractual indemnification in there, which will resolve that issue. I just had a um, interesting, interesting issue that arose in our practice, uh, actually in New York, with a general employer lending a special employee uh, to the special employer. He then got in a fight uh, with an employee of the special employee, and we discovered that the workers' compensation exclusivity bar travels all the way up to the general employer, so that's very useful for that client. All right, when it comes to who's my employer, and there could be two, employee, uh, two alleged employers or even more, really what it's going to come down to is who directs and controls this employee all day. Um, In the context of contractors and subcontractors, where a subcontractor uh, is the actual employer but does not have workers' compensation coverage, workers' compensation exposure and liability is going to be deemed to travel up the ladder towards the general contractor. So that's something to be mindful of. All right. Independent contractors. This is going to be a lot of fun Uh, for those of us who think, hey, I'm getting paid on a 1099. That means I'm an independent contractor. Well, actually, the workers' compensation courts do not care how the employees are being paid or how we're classifying them for tax purposes. Uh, It's going to be really going to come down to a multifaceted test. Uh, Who directs and controls the employee? Who has the right to hire and fire them? Is the business of the alleged employee and the alleged employer really the same business? Or is this sort of an outside business who's providing vendor or services to the general employer? Uh, Is there a different entity, meaning do they even have any kind of incorporation or legal formation so they can be recognized as something other than an individual? How about who controls the method of the work? Does this alleged independent contractor bring their own tools? Do they bring their own materials? Who's supplying those materials? Uh, Do they have their own workers' compensation insurance? So all of those questions are going to be the questions that the workers' compensation courts are going to look to in determining uh, whether someone's actually an independent contractor or just your general employee all right i blasted through that because i'm hoping we're getting a lot of great questions and answers on uh, today's topic Uh, and remember you don't have to confine your questions to just really the the quick overview of employment law that i talked about today it really could be any topic in workers compensation so i'm happy to answer any question on anything you bring up Uh, and again i do find that this to be the most fun part of our presentation generally Last week, I was doing a presentation on New York workers' compensation law, and someone asked me a question, I just didn't know the answer to it. Uh, and I was sitting there pondering it, and someone else typed in the, the answer in the questions. I was able to share that information with everyone. So, uh, okay, all right, uh, great questions starting off. So Jim asked me, Greg, can you please speak to the Hager decision last week uh, and tell us how and when we can defend against the use of medical marijuana in the future? So. The hager decision i think we kind of briefly touched on this um yes medicinal marijuana is going to be allowed for palliative pain care where everything else has failed and we now have precedent for it um hager by the way uh worked for a contracting company he was a a a laborer for a contracting company uh he was injured Uh, just to put this in a little context for you uh, his disability was uh, adjudged to be 65%, a partial total, so that's a pretty significant, a pretty high disability. Um, he complained that the opiates and uh, the medications he were on were not helping him. In fact, were making him worse, uh, were making him uh, unable to carry out his activities of daily living. And he went and pursued the medicinal marijuana on his own and, you know, claims that it was helping him and helping him in different ways, uh, and then sought reimbursement by way of motion for med and tab. Now, that case has a tortured history, and you can't really tell the tortured history of that case by reading uh, the Supreme Court uh, sort of synopsis of it, uh, because Hager went through multiple attorneys. He's really doesn't have much of an employment background as we all know treatment for pain is relatively subjective so the real takeaway was that there has been this long challenge going on to medicinal marijuana coming into workers compensation cases and really based on hey look this is there's all sorts of federal uh, issues here with paying for it uh many most other states are they're still grappling with this you know new jersey is one of the few states that has a compassionate use statute new york has one as well uh, and the way in which the courts sort of have routed around uh, the typical way that medical treatment would be resolved—that would be, hey, you're the carrier, you're the, you have the liability or the responsibility for um, paying for this treatment that's been provided. Uh, normally, you would just pay the provider, but you can't do that in the context of medicinal marijuana. And so the way the courts have routed around this is to have the claimant be directly reimbursed themselves. The petitioner is getting this check to reimburse. So that's the way they've routed around uh, that, and it looks like that's going to be the law of the case. Again, there is going to be an appeal pending on this. Uh, I've heard that the appeal is going to be up to the federal courts. However, pending the federal appeal, we don't expect any kind of stay. so we' would expect that this would be uh, the valid case law that we're going to be uh, uh, defending under. Can these cases be defended? Yes, and uh, how would how would I defend them? Well, I would be looking at the severity of the injury, what kind of subjective complaints there are. I mean in that case, Hager, it's all subjective complaints. It's just I have pain, I have pain, I have pain. Um, you know, knowing what I know uh, about the background of the context of the case, no, I don't I think I would have defended that case quite. Uh, strenuously, just as it was defended quite strenuously, um, based on you know this this claimant's work history and his psychosocial issues, etc. Uh, but in this in this case, both the the trial courts, and the appellate division, and now the Supreme Court have all said, now this is uh, this is going to be a valid a valid uh, palliative treatment. All right. Uh, Michelle asked the question, Greg. Have you ever seen any changes in the opening of the courts? Any idea when they'll be opening for uh, claimant testimony? Yeah, no, nothing. So they just keep pushing back. Now, New Jersey, the superior courts uh, have announced that as of May 23rd or something, uh, right before Memorial Day, they are going to allow some uh, in-person proceedings to take place. But remember, the workers' compensation courts, they're not really courts at all right? A workers' compensation judge isn't a constitutional judge. They can't marry you, they can't divorce you, they can't throw you in jail, and they can't sanction you. They can't do any of those sort of uh, uh, constitutional things that a a superior court judge can do in New Jersey. Uh, They are a creature of uh, the administrative body that creates them, which is the Department of Labor, and the Department of Labor is not giving us any information about when they are going to reopen or how they're going to reopen. Uh certainly it's been, what is it, 13 months now since they've been closed. In the beginning, the chief judge was issuing out memos like every couple weeks saying, oh, we're gonna open in three weeks, and then three weeks go by and say, okay, three more weeks, three more weeks. And then that just ended, I think in July. They said, okay, until further notice, we're closed. And now there doesn't seem to be any like really clear plan for how this is gonna be reopening. Uh, all the courts in New Jersey are operating under their own sort of different little guidelines. Some of the judges have published, okay, here's how I'm going to call the list. Here's how I'm not going to call the list. Uh, I'm going to do this over the phone. I'm going to do this over video. I'm doing this via email. So, so <clears throat> we're seeing a lot of variation between how this is this is working among the different courthouses. All right. Um, Michelle asked the question, Greg, if the driver has an OCAC policy, can they still file a workers' compensation claim for permanency. Yeah, yeah, no, right? Uh, We've seen it, of course. I've seen employers who are attempting to classify uh, uh, their employees as independent contractors require that those um independent alleged independent contractors get their own uh, occupational accident policy and in general by the way when we're defending a case and we're saying look judge this over the road trucker judge this delivery person judge uh this driver it's typically in the driver context um they're really not a employee they're really an independent contractor i'll prove it to you judge look they have their own occupational accident policy which by the way judge is going to pay them the same benefits they would have been entitled to under workers compensation so judge does the court really have any interest in, in pursuing this? I think that's a great argument to make in court, and generally it's it's you know very uh, persuasive, uh, but whether or not they have an accident policy itself is not going to be really a very dispositive thing. Uh, we really are going to look at who controls and directs them, how dependent were they on that single source of income, are the businesses truly separate, all of those types of things, can they set their own hours? Uh, and particularly in these gig economy cases, Uh, It's been very consistent since the first challenges started emerging in 2016 and 2017. Gig economy employees or people, employees, people, uh, DoorDashers, Uber, Lyft, uh, they have been consistently held by the workers' compensation courts to be independent contractors. And really, chiefly, they've been pointing to the fact that they can choose when they work. They can refuse to work. They can come when they want to work. They can turn the app on. They can turn the app off. And that's really been the chief reason uh, that they've been found to be um, independent contractors and not uh, eligible for workers' compensation benefits. So Michelle asked the second part of her question, which is, hey, can they still file a workers' comp claim? Yeah, they can still file the claim, but we'll dispute it and defend it on the basis that they are not an employee. And you know, generally you should win. All right. All right, Jim says, hey, Greg, you mentioned we can challenge uh, medicinal marijuana. And he points out to some uh, regulations say the physicians must also hold a bona fide relationship with the patient in order to register them with the program. So uh, let me just stop there for a second and talk about registration in the program and program the, the program itself. A couple years ago, I want to say about two years ago my partner Tashi and i we did a lengthy presentation about the compassionate use act in new jersey and you know we just kind of laughed about what a joke the whole thing really was uh in order for a physician to be registered they really just are going on and they're filling out an online questionnaire i think they have to take a, a online course that's like an hour uh to get their certification uh it really wasn't like very strenuous at all i mean they are limiting who can prescribe it so you know they're not letting like chiropractors uh, you know, write uh, prescriptions or acupuncturists for medicinal marijuana. But other than that, uh, other MDs or DOs uh, who take these online course and fill out the form, um, you know, they're going to be able to, to to write these prescriptions. So it's not that rigorous. Uh, and then Jim says, but they're supposed to have this bona fide relationship with the patient. Sure. I don't, I don't know who's checking. I mean, in the case of Hager's, the, the reported decision, I can tell you that, you know, he was seeking the care on his own. He did argue that it wasn't curative. You know, he admitted it wasn't curative, but he said, this is very palliative. I'm getting much better activity of daily living, much better function. And so for that reason, um, the, the courts look to that. Uh, will we be successful, Greg, in raising this issue if the injured worker just goes out and finds a provider for medicinal marijuana? Um, so that's, that's a great point. I mean, we're going to look and go, judge, how do we know this works? Are they just doctor shopping? I mean, they just looking up and down the block to see who says, I have the license to to treat you this way. Uh, are we going to see this big diversion that we're expecting to see? You know, that's, I think, the uh, issues that we're going to have to uh, bring to the course attention. Um, Greg, do we only argue, this is Jim Stoys' continuing question, I'm a little concerned, I don't really understand the last part of what you say, and we argue, we only pay for prior medicinal marijuana after one year of treatment. I guess what you're saying is they have to prove that it's that it's been successful for them or it's been working. Um, yeah, that's that's their that's the, the challenge. They've got to show, hey, there is some benefit to it uh, and it could be retrospective. Right. So we are going to look backwards and say, look, it got them off the opiates. You know, maybe now they're off all of these other medications with the opiates come all sorts of other complications, as we know. Uh, Certainly, even things as basic as constipation, now they're on a second medication to treat the constipation, et cetera. Long-term opiate use has all all sorts of deleterious effects over time. Uh, So we would be hoping that some of those comorbidities uh, or other issues or medications would come down. So that's, I think, how they would be able to demonstrate that it's been valuable. All right, Uh, Sarah P. asked the question, Greg, what is the test in New Jersey to prove a person is an independent contractor? All right, uh, great question. We did talk about that in the slides, but really the question is who has the right to direct and control this employee? Uh, who has the right to hire and fire them? Uh, are the businesses truly the same or are they different? Does the employee have their own entity that uh, they can hold out as a separate entity that they are actually working for or owning? Okay, um, whose license are they operating under? Who brings the tools to the worksite? Who brings the materials to the worksite? What is the financial relationship between the parties uh, where the independent contractor has only one client and works for them exclusively and is completely dependent on them? The courts have consistently said, you're not an independent contractor, you're actually an employee. Uh, And certainly, do they have their own workers' compensation insurance? So those are all the main factors uh, that the New Jersey courts are going to look to to determine if someone's been an independent contractor all right great questions it always uh that's the last one i see popping in here at 12:24 p.m so if you've typed another one in and i get it after this ends i will email you the answer uh thanks for joining us today this was a lot of fun and anytime we can talk about medicinal marijuana i'm, I'm happy to uh and if any next time you will do this live and we can all do some free samples we'll try it out uh our next reg- web- webinar series i'm glad i made you laugh with that one okay our next webinar series is may 28th And we're going to talk about uh, defenses to the basic defenses that we raise, both jurisdictional and uh, substantive to a workers' compensation case in New Jersey. Thanks for joining me today, everybody. Hope you have a great week. See you soon.